This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In, in, in what they are, in how they play, you know, a, as a young player going to play for a manager, Pochettino is not not far down the list of the top manager that you'd love to go and learn from and, and, and play and play for. I think he's very near the top. Absolutely, isn't he? massively near the top. So he's a huge draw for a player like Grealish, and you know, I think he's a good fit for what they have. He's a wonderful talent, the kid, and um, we'll do our best to keep hold of him. But it's obviously going to be difficult. You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! This is my home! They're gonna need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here! They're gonna need to send in the National Guard a fucking SWAT team! Cause I ain't going nowhere! When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. So, a lot has happened since we last spoke. The transfer window is closed, and thanks to our new owners showing they mean business, we've actually bought some players and kept Superjack. So now Villa can set sail into the new season with positivity and possibility blowing in their sails with 21,500 season ticket holders, which is up on last season, and kicking off the season with back-to-back wins, which is the first time this century, the last time being when we were partying in 1999 with John Gregory. Ah, the good old days. So coming up in the show, I'll talk about my actual meeting in person with Villa's new owners, which happened since the last podcast episode. Uh, I'll also give you my take on uh, the Jack Grealish circus that played out uh, over the last couple of weeks. Also my trip to Hull for the season opener. And then we'll get stuck into 
listener questions via Instagram. If you want to follow uh, My Old Man Said at Instagram, it the address is My Old Man Said, obviously after Instagram.com slash. And that's where I post uh, requests for uh, questions. And the standard, as I uh, mentioned on the last show, is actually uh, better than Twitter and uh facebook so make of that what you will through the questions uh, because they touch on uh, a lot about the transfer window and incoming players and the you know the last two games i will leave the questions to address uh, those topics so as you've gathered this podcast i'll be flying solo uh, if you've never listened to the show before this is actually the first time this has happened. Uh, normally there's a s- comic sidekick, one Dan Rogers, who's gone a bit AWOL uh, over the last week and uh, hasn't been answering messages that say, let's record a show. He's now on holiday, so uh, do wait for him uh, to get back until you start trolling him on Twitter, informing him of the importance of uh, making regular shows if you're doing a podcast. So, Dan, if you're on a sun lounger, just think about all those other people on sun loungers who wanted a, a podcast to listen to uh, while they were lounging in the sun. And the truth be told, he's only on the show anyway, just for his accent, just to legitimise the show amongst the hardcore demographic uh, in the Birmingham area. But don't tell him. Uh, On a serious note, uh, I've been looking at kind of possible formats and ways of getting other people involved. Uh, One of the issues is maintaining the audio quality. So, you know, you don't want to do things over Skype and uh, stuff like that. One idea is to get some studio space in Birmingham so uh, people can kind of pop in. Uh, Obviously, we'd have to get some uh, equipment for that unless there is a ready set up studio that we can use. Uh, If you know of anybody, uh, please do uh, let me know. Another thing is to uh, have okay mic equipment to go on location. If we can get that uh, equipment sorted out, then uh, like just a mixer and uh, two proper mics, then we can evolve the show to be a bit more fluid and uh, a lot more regular as we can get more people involved and beat the streets and uh, get out there. One way to help that happen is obviously uh, through your supporters, uh, my own man said patrons be great to get that number over 100 since the last show i just want to say a quick thanks to uh, simon dakin mark lister steve walton tim dehenny hopefully i pronounced that right tony bain owen hoskins and uh, also thanks to tom curry for upping his pledge to be perfectly honest without uh, you guys and and the other patrons there's no way uh, moms would be happening at the moment i mean website wise it's kind of peanuts uh on advertising for example unless you're banging out 10 repetitive clickbait stories uh, a day i would rather close my own man said down than go down that kind of route so it would be great if you could please support us as a my own man said patreon check out myomansaid.com and click on the patreon option on the menu bar and please do join up and that will be much appreciated thanks let's push through that 100 patron mark Uh, First of all, before we get on to uh, All Matters Villa, the Premier League has also kicked off this season and I've quickly realised that after two seasons in the Championship, I don't understand the Premier League anymore. Disappointing result, Mm. 2-0. What did you make of the game today? It's City, innit? You get me? And we've seen the Champions play today. You understand? Like we tried, innit? Like, but we're not we're not on that level, like. You can see from like you understand. When you've got De Bruyne, Sane, Jesus on the bench, Silva, Company, Otamendi, like fam, you understand? It's only gonna end one way, innit? You understand? And if I be real, like our, our, I think our final ball was terrible today. 
You understand? Yeah. I think that was the problem because we was getting in the we was getting in the right areas, but the final ball was just dead, fam. You understand? Do you think that was just down to the fact that you've got new players in the team? Yeah, I think it is. And it hasn't gelled yet? Mm -hmm. I think it is. I think they need a bit more time. You understand? Because remember, like, Torreya just come back. You understand? I think he'll be a starter. You get me? I done said Torreya and um, Gwendozi should have started. Gwendozi for me was man of the match. You understand? He made that one little error with Kun. But Chet made a great save, blood. You understand? Mm. But back to Chet now, yeah? That was a good save. But what the fuck are you dealing with for the whole rest of the fucking game, blood? That goal, yeah, for Sterling, blood. I'm sorry, you need to save that, blood. You understand? I'm, I'm, I know man, 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 man are going to come with, oh, there's bodies in front of him. Rude yeah, boy. That's you, what I no, no, no. You're a world class keeper. You position yourself correctly so you have the correct view, yeah? Of the, of, of the attack, yeah? You understand? No, I don't understand. Fam, I'm actually scared of getting promoted to the Premier League next season. I've got no idea what's going on there now. Anyway, that might be academic. We shall see. So, first of all, meeting the new owners. I mean, after after the newspapers uh, announced uh, that new owners are incoming, uh, myself and uh, other members of the uh, Aston Villa fan consultation group uh, received personalised uh, letters via email signed off by the two owners. Just quickly, the fan consultation group is, is a selection of supporters who either run Lions clubs, independent Aston Villa supporter groups, major Villa websites and, and other media. So the idea is three or various uh, outlets uh, communicate to supporters if they have any questions and what they want on the agenda. That's related to the club. We meet up we have our discussion, get the answers that supporters want, and obviously, uh, you know, it helps us understand how the club is actually working. And then we relay it back to supporters. Anyway, so, you know, you receive this letter, you think, oh, nice touch. But the next day uh, in the morning, and, you know, we knew they were trying to work out a time to meet the owners as uh, soon as possible. Uh, and in the morning, the next day, we uh, received an email, I think it was like half eight, inviting the, the group members to uh, Bodymore Heath to meet the two owners, potentially. Uh, first of all, there was going to be a meeting with their representatives. Uh, and then uh, the owners, more than likely. So, uh, you know, luckily most of us could make it and uh, others, you know, took time off work to uh, travel to get there. And fast forward. First of all, we met, I think there was two reps for... Uh, Nasef Suarez and uh, one rep for Wes Edens and uh, I think I joked uh, on social media or, or on, on a post about this meeting that it was a bit like you know meeting the Wayland Corporation which you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen any of the alien films they're asking you uh, you know what the pros and cons have been about supporter relationships how you know how the group's been working uh, what kind of gripes you have uh, and it wasn't they weren't quite there sitting with clipboards and white scientific coats but uh, you know they took notes and they elaborated uh, you know by asking questions back and basically just to get a you know just to do the a recce and find out uh, as much as possible you know from supporters uh, so early in the day it was it was quite encouraging because you know the background to uh this is you know the government recently uh, brought in st a structured dialogue telling football clubs that they have to meet their supporters twice a year for you know proper meetings and you know this is something that's been a concern at government level so the fact that villa have, have set up this group and it's been running for two years and we've had re regular consultation and you know we've met the manager we've you know we've met uh, the dearly departed uh, Steve Round and uh, Keith Wyness, you know Keith Wyness regularly, and 
this is something uh, with my own meetings with club reps of other clubs you know they've been quite envious of because uh, i mean there's some real farces going on i mean especially like for example hull well we'll mention the whole situation a little later uh anyway in this meeting uh, there wasn't uh you know you can't go in there asking questions just about grealish and financial fair play obviously financial fair play is something that's kind of sensitive and also uh you kind of don't want to announce your strategy on it, uh, if you know what I mean. If you, you know, you're kind of playing poker, you might, in the early stages, hardball it, and uh, because at the moment there's eight teams who have broken or potentially are in a situation where they they could break uh, financial fair play. So there's a bit of room for pushing it a bit, and obviously new new owners coming, so they're inheriting, uh, let's say, a mess, and so there's a bit of mitigation there straight away that they can plead to but you don't want to be saying these things uh, in public so to speak so and also they're obviously just through the front door so i you know i took it as an opportunity to just you know just feel them out a little bit and although it's obviously it's an informal meeting and a private meeting uh, you know i just wanted to kind of get some clues on how they view co-ownership because obviously uh dr tony is still floating around in the background and you know owns 45 percent. but you kind of get the impression that suarez and edens are running the show and uh you know are kind of strategizing and putting a plan in action now and uh basically clearing up tony's mess i you know i asked edens about whether it'd been a proactive thing to look to invest in a football club or you know whether they just got a got a message in the bottle essentially from uh, dr tony and decided it was a p- potential investment uh, but as he said uh, you know they'd been looking into a uh, potential miami franchise mls franchise of uh, david beckham because uh, you know Edens has got a bit of infrastructure in the Miami area and, and a company, real estate company that kind of has uh, a few fingers in pies. Uh, but at the end of the day, he they like the scope of. Uh, I mean, they're both football fans, but they like the scope of owning a team that you know was playing at the top level, uh, obviously European football, and you know they there is a chance of playing in the Champions League if you get it right. The, the ceiling is higher than just having an MLS club, and you know if you have a successful MLS club, then it's what what's the ceiling there it's it's basically local in america and and the game doesn't actually translate nationwide in the same way basketball baseball and the nfl does so uh it's let's say it's a bigger canvas and uh, more money uh potentially uh to uh, aim for they answered in you know considered manner i mean edens has obviously had has experience of you know running a sporting uh franchise and so that all bodes well uh he's, he's not a novice learning on the on the job and trusting let's say people who may take advantage of him uh, uh he, he obviously stressed that there was a need to get a good uh, ceo in and also on the you know the sports science side there's obviously scope and there's also you know scope to share let's say sporting intelligence uh, between uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, and Aston Villa. So in that respect it's I think it's been positive. It was a you know constructive and cordial meeting. There was no uh, crazy promises or anything stupid. It was all kind of measured. They did say it would take time but also at the same time you know they they emphasized they were in it for the long haul and you didn't get the impression that they were going to be acting rash or you know foolish. And, uh, you know, we've already had some clues to uh, their potential endeavours. So anyway, at the moment, I would say uh, two thumbs up on that. And obviously, I mean, the the club's transformed in the two weeks uh, since they've been here. Their first test was obviously the Jack Grealish situation, which we'll let's talk about that now. 
when it kicked off, essentially uh, the situation was Villa are in the shit. Financial fair play, people are throwing around the figure of 40 million needs to be made up. And, you know, that became the magic figure which uh, Villa wanted for Jack Grealish. Before I go on, there is a little bit of irony because if the figures reported are correct, the new Villa owners bought a 55% share of the club for 30 million, let's say 35 million tops. So Daniel Levy could have just shelled out 30, 30 million and got control in stake of uh, Aston Villa and just turned it into a Spurs feeder club and shipped across Jack Grealish. Anyway, joking aside, Grealish potentially wanted to stay, potentially uh, could be looking at it and say, well, this is the second failed season in the championship and it's, you know, it's time to now spread my wings. But the upshot was, and you know, this is my reading of the situation, from Spurs' perspective, Jack Grealish is a good player, but he's a player for tomorrow in the context of their first 11, you know, which is obviously slugging out in the Champions League and, you know, they they can beat Real Madrid as they demonstrated. So they, you know, they're a top top team at the moment with ambitions to challenge for the title and, you know, obviously progress in the Champions League. So does Grealish improve their first 11 at, at the moment? No. Would they like Jack Grealish in their squad yes do they see an opportunity where they can get Jack Grealish for the future at a good cheap price now because Villa are desperate knowing Daniel Levy the strategy was always going to be to lowball Villa initially or indicate a, a lowball figure and then come at the, come in at the end of the transfer deadline uh, when Villa were you know obviously on their knees and just pick him up now, they're not in any rush. I mean, there was many stories written every day and reacting to, you know, certain bits of information. For example, Spurs were going to America on a pre-season tour. Q, the stories of, oh, Grealish has played his last game in the friendly against Warsaw because he's joining up with, with the Spurs squad to fly out on Sunday to America, blah, 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 blah. And you're thinking, well, Pochettino will only be desperate to get him on that pre-season tour if he wants to bed him down into the first 11. But as we've already maintained, since, you know, Grealish would be, a, you know, an acquisition for the long term, they would still st- stick to the strategy of low ball in Villa and getting getting him on the cheap. And, you know, when I say get him on the cheap, we're talking about, you know, saving 10 million or so. And, uh, you know, when you've just bought a new stadium, if you can save 10 million, you, you, you jolly well do that. So I, I didn't buy that he was going to uh, America and there was any rush to get him. And, you know, I read a story about this and that's that was the first story and I just left it out there. I wasn't writing a bloody story every day, panicking and saying he's played his last game. You know, these situations uh, require a bit more of a uh, a poker face. But at the same time, because Spurs were going to lowball us, that gave us... That gave us time. And in that time, obviously, uh, Dr. Tony and his crew were scrambling around uh, for the finances. And you don't react desperately. If you've got time, you've you got to hustle and you've got to take it to the end. Because we're talking about, you know, Villa's best talent. And we're talking about somebody's whole homegrown. And we're talking about, I mean, if you're talking in American terms, you're talking about the franchise star, you know, the poster boy. That if he gets, if Villa get up this season 
then you're building a team around him in the Premier League and uh, that homegrown quality and the fact that he's a fan is worth a hell of a lot and it encourages people I mean he's a good player to watch for starters but it encourages people to buy season tickets and you know, it gives the club a bit of an identity and you know we're talking about a flair player so that's always a, a big plus considering some of the crap that we've had to watch over the last few seasons so they you know Eden's knows about keeping his franchise star uh, you know with the Bucks so so Dr Tony's obviously had a conversation with Grealish when it's Deathcon 1 financial meltdown and said sorry son we're going to have to sell you so Grealish has got it in his head now that you know he's off this summer he's off so whatever his initial reaction you know as as the days go by he's obviously starting he's you know he's obviously starting to uh i wouldn't say use the word warm to the idea but you you know what i mean he's getting used to the idea of uh he's going to have to leave and you know he'll be subconsciously uh persuading himself that it's the move to uh, make in the meantime since spurs aren't pushing uh pushing the issue this allows the investment to come in, the new owners to come in. To be frank, we got a bit lucky there. The stars aligned and we've actually got uh, two proper owners, financially speaking. And they obviously, you know, a bit of due diligence on the current situation and they realise the importance of Grealish and the importance in the midterm, the short term, and then obviously potentially in the long term. Because their concern is, as any as dr tony's concern was was getting promotion because that's when the party starts once you get access to the uh the sky tv money so i'm keeping that in there i don't care what you think when you're talking to yourself for so long you need to break it up a bit so once they came in obviously they're thinking well hands off we're not going to get lowballed here i don't know obviously we don't know how suddenly they've become resilient to financial fair play you know we started buying players for god's sake i mean we haven't been splashing the cash we've been quite astute in our acquisitions in terms of you know their their transfer fees uh, etc we've still got another window where we can offload uh, other players to uh, obviously make some of the money back and uh, as i said there's you know plenty of clubs in this division with uh, problems at the moment and obviously we have the mitigating circumstances which uh, for example ac milan got new owners and they were banned from uh, the europa league by uh, uefa's financial fair play but you know using the improved Improvement under the new owner's card that got was it the court of sporting justice or something i can't remember what the uh, the court was called there you know there was appeal to this uh, european court and ac milan because of their uh improvements with their new owners that they were readmitted into uh, the europa league so they've, they've obviously uh you know had a hard long look at this uh, financial flair play situation and decided well Grealish also gives us the best opportunity of getting promoted if we build a you know t- proper team around him and uh, away we go meanwhile in the press the press are saying that Grealish is frustrated about uh, having to stay and he's not happy and uh, Dr Tony promised him uh, well I don't think Dr Tony promised him uh, I think Dr Tony told him that he was going to have to go but obviously the situation changed so i think that's an old you know this is not uh transfer deadline day Grealish sulking around he, he already knows what's happening and you know he knows his destiny is still at villa and uh, the press are basically uh stretching this out just so they can write stories and try to create a scenario where you know it's still in the balance and we don't know what's happening i mean even after you know this weekend's games um uh, 
you know, the Daily Star, I think that's, the headline was Spurs are regretting uh, not putting an offer in early on. And uh, and you read the, ar- the article, the article's the same article they've been writing every day for the last two weeks. So obviously it's in the media's interest to just change the headline and, and pump out the same piece of shit story. But anyway, it's great to keep Grealish... Just watching that Wigan game, and you could tell, you know, they're not quite on the the wavelength at the moment. But him and uh, John McGinn were just were starting to warm to each other as the game progressed. And I, I think uh, the acquisition of uh, John McGinn, who we'll talk about in a in a little while, is is key to unlocking Grealish's potential uh, a little, you know, a little bit more and getting even more out of him. And uh, it will make sense uh, keeping him hopefully this season because of uh, the McGuinn acquisition who, uh, you know, at some stage was being touted as a replacement. But, uh, you know, in in the same breath, even if they weren't uh, selling Grealish, at least it was a a kind of backup uh, if suddenly Spurs came out with, you know, with a magical offer. Anyway, we'll talk more about uh, them linking up in a sec. Just quickly... uh I mean, the season definitely started uh, in a much more positive mood with the new owners coming in. I mean, you could just tell that uh, at Hull. I mean, I went to Hull. Uh, I've got some family up there, so I've been to, you know, when Villa play at Hull, I always tend to go up there. Problem was this time, uh, obviously I was going to go in the Villa away end, but then suddenly uh, there was nine people that wanted to go. You can't really get a, a row of nine tickets uh, in the Villa away end uh, with two days to go so we had to uh, do the whole end uh, which uh, obviously as you would have probably seen wasn't that hard because uh, half the half the stadium was uh, was empty i mean the reason for that uh, obviously uh, the owners uh, the egyptian owners i mean you just have to look at the new kit the badge is just a tiger and they've been trying to call them the, the whole tigers and get rid of the whole the whole city name from the off and that's been the continual battle i mean the whole uh, supporters trust uh, they wanted to fly an airplane because it obviously was on sky over the uh the stadium before the game and then you know they saw what was happening with dr tony and uh, i think one of them contacted me uh you know about a month ago saying would villa fans want to join in and we can do a joint plane but at that stage you're getting you know always think give a chance to somebody to dig themselves out out of a hole so uh, obviously dr tony was still trying to put this right or do good buyers shall we say and also, you know, they're flying the plane over the stadium. It's a bit of an overused, kind of almost a tired cliche for disgruntled fans. But uh, I don't think they went for the plane in the end. I, I mean, I can't remember seeing it. Anyway, uh, the nine of us that turned up, I think we doubled the home attendance because it was pretty much a ghost town. And it's, and it's a shame because I remember, I, remember the f- I think the first time I went to Hull was uh, 2006, the FA Cup. Uh, I think it was one of the last few months of David O'Leary's reign. Uh, we, I think it was in January. We won 1-0. Uh, Gareth Barry scored. I mean, there was a team of, you know, Juan Pablo Angel, Melberg, Milner, Barry, and then a bunch of players that weren't that good. But, you know, the atmosphere was good. Uh, I remember, you know, being in the Villa end, and you just look look to your left, and uh, <laughs> there was... Uh, you know thousands of supporters not even looking at the game but all looking towards the villa end just going yorkshire 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 and we were like looking at each other going fucking hell you know this time around though it was no noise from the yorkshire boys no noise from the yorkshire boys no noise from the yorkshire boys no noise 
And, uh, you know, subsequent games there have always been a decent, you know, for a home atmosphere, it's always been pretty decent there. So it was a bit of a sad uh, state of affairs for Hull. So hopefully, uh, I mean, they can rectify that. I mean, the game... When we went 1-0 down, you thought, oh, shit, here we go again. But, I mean, to their credit, they they showed resilience. Uh, they, the performance wasn't that great. And same against Wigan. It was kind of disjointed and considering, I mean, it, against uh, Hull, considering most of those players had played together for pre-season, you would expect a bit more of a you know pattern to their play and... Uh, there was the first signs of Codger being out of sorts. Uh, I mean, he hasn't had a great pre-season either. And against uh, Wigan also, his, his body language didn't look great. I don't know if it's a confidence thing, but the problem is the longer this goes on in terms of a drought, uh, fans will get on his back and uh, it's not going to be uh, helpful. So maybe... Uh, cut him some slack in in the short term at least i mean i'm not the greatest codger fan in terms of i just don't think he's he's that all-round player he hasn't got the vision and sometimes uh, he may score in a game but uh, if he actually elected to pass we'd probably score more goals so sometimes he costs us potential goals so it's, it's almost like one step forward two steps back kind of uh, equation to codger apart from that it was good to see uh, andre green back I was at the uh, West Ham game that he scored, Banksy Stadium, and obviously went on and scored. A couple more in Germany against Dresden. thought he, he gives Villa a proper outlet, and you saw against Wigan, once Grealish and McGinn get going, it's, it's, it's great to have that pace uh, on the left and a genuine threat. I mean, I'd be quite interested, uh, speaking of Codger, to see what happens when uh, Hogan gets back, and if... Villa can keep the ball and if Grealish and McGinn are kind of scheming, whether that will uh, help uh, the the Hogan situation. Obviously, there was three goals by defenders against Hull. Uh, Elphick, Elmo and a Wunderbar goal from uh, Hutton. And against Wigan, uh, obviously Chester, open proceedings up and then an own goal. And then you could say uh, Bjarnason is part of the defence playing DM. So uh, we haven't scored a goal yet uh, from a forward player. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I don't think our uh, back four will carry us through the season scoring in every game. But against Hull, I think uh, the scoreline flattered us. Uh, although saying that against Wigan, especially when it was 2-2, when Axel Tienzebi went off, there was there was some woeful marking. Uh, I think Elmo slipped back on into right back and they had a couple of free headers which they should have scored and if they made it 3-2 then it might have been a bit of a different uh, end result but overall six points is six points I think Bruce has got lucky with the fixture list because we've got quite a soft start so it gives the team a chance to uh, iron things out and actually uh, get going as a team and uh, especially I think it helps John McGinn in the centre because I think he's going to be quite pivotal uh, as I said in terms of unlocking Grealish and between the two of them uh, they'll be like the heartbeat of the actual team. Also gives uh, Bruce uh, a chance to decide on uh, what his defence is actually going to be. I mean at the moment the defence doesn't inspire confidence uh, apart from at the other end of the pitch when they're scoring goals. 
you know, two wins on the trot after that poor start we had last season. And this is a season where I think I've, you know, you kind of get the feeling that the club and supporters realise now it's how serious not getting promoted uh, the impacts that it kind of has. And uh, now it's a bit more tunnel vision that we you know we've got to do it so if we can get a good start there's a banana skin of uh, Brentford coming up like team we haven't beaten in four games since we've been in the championship but everything's kind of uh, winnable at the start and we don't have to uh, play any of the uh, the contenders until you know a few weeks on so fingers crossed there right let's get on to those questions sent in via Instagram from listeners it's time for mom's question time current affair junkies in the UK should know where this jingle comes from. I'll try to keep the answers short because there's quite a few questions. Uh, I've actually mislaid the uh, the name of the first one, but somebody anyway on Instagram says, uh, can we all chip in and buy snods? Well, the number 11 shirt is free, so uh, I mean, I, we're not going to buy them, obviously, but the loan window is still open. I think he came on against Liverpool, but... Uh, I don't know. The good thing is, uh, I mean, I think he's he's still playing for his West Ham career, I think, in the next uh, couple of games. And then obviously, I think if he's not happy there, if he's uh, not getting game time, then that question may pop up at uh, the end of the month. And, uh, you know, he may even request that kind of transfer. It would seem that Villa could pull it off if they wanted to uh, wage wise. So uh, watch that, you know, watch this space on that one. Ben Clark asked... Do you think Steve Bruce will drop a midfielder to play McGinn? Or is he a super sub? Max Stokes asks, is he a Grealish replacement? Where does he fit in? Callum McMillan asked, is McGinn a good signing? Well, as we saw against Wigan, straight in. So he's obviously uh, a big part of the plan. And as I alluded uh, when talking about Grealish, I I do see him as a key that can uh, unlock the door uh, of Grealish's full potential uh, I mean, in the game against Wigan, at the start, you saw Grealish... I mean, first of all, McGinn, he, he make, he's always running. He's quite tenacious... And he's he's very he seems to be very fast or his anticipation is really good over like the you know the five yards because there was that moment uh, he did a one two with Grealish Grealish played it to him he passed it back to Grealish and then Grealish uh, kind of first time returned the pass and McGinn didn't quite get on it at the start we didn't read it and. Uh, it looked like a defend a Wigan player was going to get it to the first, and you actually saw Grealish kind of turn round and you know a semi disappointment. But out of nowhere, just over like two steps, he got to the ball, tackled the uh, Wigan player, and then he was through. And you saw Grealish a little bit look of surprise there, and you know that's just like tuning and understanding, you know what each other can do. And he saw, I mean, he's, he's like. Uh, He's kind of quite re- relentless, and but also make always making runs and uh, offering himself, which is was one of my big big bugbears of this filler team was like the movement off the ball. But McGinn suddenly gives you that and is a kind of a dynamic presence. So I think once uh, him and Grealish start to tune in, because I saw him like off offering himself for Grealish, and Grealish would play the long ball. Where I think uh, now Grealish is starting to understand who he's playing with, he'll start to trust him, and then uh, there'll be a bit more positive possession from the two because they can start scheming together and then you you know if they're going more let's say on the left hand side you've suddenly got Andre Green they can release Uh, if Hogan ever gets fit again then there's the potential to actually unlock the door for Hogan as well because he's somebody who uh, could probably benefit from that kind of slip pass in 
because he does you know he does make runs and tries to get on the shoulder of the the defender so i think this could could be quite a quite a signing uh he's obviously not a super sub he's not tommy johnson and i think he's, he's he could potentially be the best signing villa have made since they've been relegated i mean the, you know he's, this is we're talking about players less than three million and uh it's almost like at the scottish football loophole or something because yes he has one year on his contract but uh you would be thinking like just based on that one game against Wigan, you you were thinking five six million there straight away, and he's you know definitely better value than some of the shit we've uh, bought uh, recently. John Moore five says we now have Bun, Nayland, Moreira, and Sarkic. Why? Uh, there was a couple of questions before we loaned uh, Steer out, so that kind of answered their questions already. Why have we got four keepers? Well, Sarkic isn't really uh, a first-team squad man, so we have got the three keepers that you would expect. I think there was a bit of surprise when Steer went initially. I, th- I thought Steer would, uh, let's say, play a couple of games before it, before he would go out on loan just to uh, ease in the new boys, so to speak, but it, it became apparent quite early that Bruce rates Oyan Nyland as the number one let's talk about him uh, I, I wasn't convincing but you're starting off a game where you're trying to ease yourself in and get some confidence and first of all uh, you haven't got a settled centre-back pairing next of all you get you get sent a hospital ball where you have no chance of getting rid of it which leads to Fulham's goal so that kind of uh, puts you in the supporters bad book straight away and, and you know rocks your confidence so it's hard to uh, settle into that game uh, I mean came out I think in the second half you you know flapped at a few balls that came across and but I think it's one of the you know it's one of the harder positions to uh let's say have your debut for a club is when you're a goalkeeper so you know let's see what happens against Ipswich where where I think you'll be tested a bit more because he actually didn't have that much to do uh, against Wigan I mean he probably picked the ball out the the net more times than he had a proper save to make so let's you know let's not crucify him just yet uh Villa fans let's uh, see what happens uh in the forthcoming games it'd be good to see Andre Marira get a start against Yeovil just to see what he's all about Andy1982 says which player will shine this season I think John McGinn by the end of the season uh, especially if we got promoted he will be uh, him and Grealish will be the top men I'm just thinking I mean I expect Chester to be decent although I'd, I'd you know you probably want a bit more of him kind of marshalling the defense and uh, talking a bit more you know hopefully he picked up a few uh picked that up from terry but uh hopefully bruce can settle on his center back as sap at his back line i mean a lot of it will be where he decides to end up playing uh, axel uh Zanzebi because i don't know i think i think it's a bit conservative if he plays right back because i don't think he offers anything in the opponent's uh, half, uh, once he crosses the halfway line in in attacking capacity, I mean, I think he's he's pretty solid. He's athletic. Is he a ready-made centre back? Well, I would play him against Yeovil for starters there, and uh, you know, see how he fares. But uh, I mean, at the moment, I play Elphick. I mean, I've always campaigned for Elphick uh, when Terry got injured, and since Terry got injured, uh, Elphick hasn't put a foot wrong really at centre back. So I don't know. I would go. Uh, I would probably go Alfic just out of safety, and then uh, you know, got the problem of where does that, you know Axel fit in? But you know, that's not my problem. My main concern is winning and getting promoted. Cred W says, "What's next for Jack?" 
Well, probably scoring the winner in the FA Cup against Spurs or Fulham this season would be nice. And uh, then promotion. I'll keep that one short. Decamato says, should we now go 4-5-1 with the players at our disposal with two attacking midfielders? Uh, I think the formation, that's pretty much what Bruce played uh, against Wigan with uh, McGinn and Grealish, the schemers. Green and Elmo on you know on their respective flanks. Obviously, you can you know switch in and change a Domar for one of those two as well. Then you've got the question of where does Horahan come in? And I was quite glad when he brought Horahan on and obviously uh, he was only on the pitch for a few minutes before he crossed it in for the Bjarnason winner that I don't know if it's down because we didn't have the forwards on the bench but it wasn't a case of throwing on every forward he actually it seemed to be he actually thought about uh, being a bit more constructive of you know in, in terms of how we could p- potentially break Wigan down in the last minutes but as I said uh, it, it may just because there was no forwards to just throw one in a blind panic a la last season uh, another question this goes on to uh the one that got away essentially dan b 677 asks what happened to joe bryan noah 9674 says is joe bryan a snake and yo nason says joe bryan what the fuck oh and harry hark says what's your verdict on the joe bryan transfer saga well this one it's something i didn't really bother about because uh until it's in the bag he's not your player when Steve Bruce started to talk about and you know entertain questions from journalists uh, about Joe Bryan, normally when a manager starts talking about a player, that means it's pretty much deal done, and they've just got to uh, iron their pants and socks and uh, put them in their suitcase, and then obviously uh, turn up for training the next day. But by all accounts, he had had a medical, and as Bruce said, he was literally driving to uh, Body Heath to fight, sign the final contract, and he was 15 minutes away from being a Villa player. I'd love to see uh, a breakdown of uh, his whole day and see where that 15 minutes could have been taken out of. <laughs> I mean, if somebody at the club uh, was chatting to him at the canteen for 15 minutes, then they may have been responsible for uh, buggering up the uh, the contract. But you could tell uh, it was definitely a position uh, that Villa could have done with him in. To be honest, apart from the games that we played Bristol City, and let's not forget we beat them 5-0 in one of those games, I'm not crying over spilt milk because I don't even know what the milk would taste like. So uh, is he a snake? Mm, No, because he thought at the time that uh, Villa was the best deal for him. And then obviously if Fulham are coming in and saying, look, we'll pay you double or, you know, substantial more money. And obviously it's the... uh, the Premier League. So I, I don't know. Joe Bryan, I think just leave him be. I think it was just a case of, you know, social media and the fanboys whipping themselves up into a froth. But it's just another reason to beat Fulham when we meet again. That's how I sum it up anyway. Fuck him. Next question. Andrew Rankin, 27. I don't know if that's his age. Or if there are 27 Andrew Rankins in the world. Uh, he asks, if you could change one thing about Villa Park, what would it be? I mean, there's a load of things that we could get into, you know, like safe standing, food, drink, entertainment, etc., etc. Uh, but one thing I'd probably get rid of is that Chinese flag on the top. We just like to mention Chinese flag uh, in every one of these podcasts where we can anchor it in. But you may have noticed uh, at the game against Wigan, there is now an Egyptian flag and an American flag up there uh, on top of the Doug Ellis stand next to the Chinese flag. Now, did I 
tell you what I thought about these flags. Uh, sorry, the Chinese flag uh, in previous podcasts. I think I, I must have. Where it's just a strange thing that, you know, if you were an owner and you bought a club, let's say in Europe, in Spain or France, you wouldn't be sticking a, you know, St. George's or Union Jack up there. It's just a bit insensitive. And it's like saying that we own this and, when uh, you know, as we always maintain the supporters own the club. So it seems a bit egotistical. Now, my reckoning is I don't think uh, Nasef or Wes Edens would have stuck those flags or would have ordered those flags to be stuck up there. I think it's a Dr. Tony thing just to justify keeping up the Chinese flag because suddenly he's, uh, he's, he's not the majority shareholder anymore. So that was the first thing he's thinking, well, that's, got, that's the Chinese flag out the window. But he's probably been a bit proactive and he's like, quick, put, put up an Egyptian flag and put up a uh, an American one. And uh, that's how he keeps the Chinese one up there. By the way, nothing against, as I explained before, nothing against the Chinese and nothing against their flag. It's just, I don't think it's a necessary, you know, I just think it's unnecessary. And it just sends out bad vibes. Uh, for example, like, you know, when Randy Lerner uh, took over, he wasn't sticking, uh, you know, stars and stripes up there, even though there's one up there now. Anyway, so half tongue in cheek, that one, that answer. But you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Rax P asks, which academy players are our future first team players? There's a lot of hype about the academy, and having watched the current crop a few times now in under 23 games, the most impressive I've seen any player from that uh, squad is uh, Keenan Davis's uh, f- initial appearances. Uh, you know, obviously the first one against Norwich, where he kind of gave us a little legitimate target man who actually held the ball up and he sh- and Bruce because that you know Villa have spent big on Hogan and Codger once they were fit was reluctant to use Davis and we could have done you know when we played Bolton in the snow where we needed more of a direct and physical presence that's when Davis should have been playing and not sitting on the bench there's a few away games where you know Hogan was playing and getting like seven eight touches a game and hardly seeing the ball when uh Keenan Davis was a you know seriously viable option so i would say him but i I don't believe bruce has got the conviction to uh, put him out there uh also you know there's still question marks on whether you know davis is a if he's going to get into double figures in terms of scoring because he didn't seem to be uh hasn't got his eye in yet but you know he's still very young but he's shown things that you never expected uh him to show at this stage certainly Another player I like is Doyle Hayes as well. I think he's very tidy in the midfield and he's somebody who could potentially uh, develop and turn into a useful player. He's the kind of player that keeps things ticking over and he's very tidy in possession, which is something you don't often see. Uh, In terms of Callum O'Hare, the jury's still out. Rushton Hepburn Murphy, I'm not convinced. His main attributes have meant to be his pace, but I've never seen him burn away from defenders I mean we saw it against uh, Wigan where a couple of times he was put through but he didn't outpace the centre back and I've seen that in under 23 games as well where he's like put clean through and he and he's not pulling away from that defender he's actually been run down and tackled so we'll see you don't want to throw you know young players under the bus at the moment because uh, who knows what can happen talking about throwing people under the bus Kirk Bowen says are both the Gardner brothers now both officially wankers Uh, go back to the last podcast to uh, say what we thought about uh, gary gardner uh and it kind of really wasn't to be at villa so you can't blame him for uh getting out of there but it's i mean his brother's obviously put a word in for him but it's a weird one i mean can he sleep at night 
apparently can tweeting keep right on maybe it'd be interesting to see what reaction he gets when uh, Villa plays Blues if I was Villa I'd have said no he, he can play if he wants against Villa just for just for the bants Vancouver Villa how do we make Villa into a truly global brand well that starts on the pitch they start to entertain uh, and you know people with we're, we're you know wishing not wishing but actually waving Grealish away and saying oh good luck you owe us nothing and good luck at Spurs blah 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 they'll help you develop hang on a minute what about Villa and Villa have got no identity as I I said on you know one of my tweets and Grealish is potentially that man who can give you it and you need such poster boys if you want to be a brand I mean how does Barcelona become a global brand well obviously they've they've had uh, many a face from managers like Cruyff you know through to some of the players they've had but recent times it's you know it's all been about Messi and so if you've got Grealish dazzling and you know this transfer saga would have done him a lot of good in terms of PR and it you know helps Villa big up the PR because suddenly the world knows that there's a player that Spurs were apparently desperate to get they wanted him but they weren't desperate and if Grealish starts to shine and John McGinn helps him do that and Villa get promoted and you know Grealish is actually chipping in a few more assists and goals than he has been doing, then uh, suddenly you've got a marketable player at your club and that helps increase you know the branding. But at the end of the day, success and also exposure in the Premier League is a big, big stepping stone. So we obviously we need promotion first. Pat Talini says... What should our realistic expectations be for the season? Well, this this ties in with another question by, and the handle is Lob Who. With the new signings and staying of Jack Grealish, is top six a good target to have or dare to dream top two finish? Well, I think the target remains the same and realistic expectations are actually the same and that's automatic is where we've got to go and it'll help if we have a good start so a few more wins uh, in these initial months to set us up i mean last season we we you know we started like a bloody donkey you know in the cheltenham gold cup but if we can uh, string a few wins together at the start that'll, that'll get supporters believing that this is you know promotion season and we'll be up at the rate you know up at the races for proper so I think, you know, we go for the title, obviously. I mean, we're in it to win it. Top two, we'll settle for that. And then top six, if it all doesn't go right, then uh, obviously it's the get-out-of-jail card and hopefully we can make it through the playoffs. But top two, it's got to be, hopefully. Uh, Supermac1987 says, Can I trust DJ Rusky today? I don't know what he's exactly referring to there. Uh, I know DJ Rusky is a Villa fan and I checked his uh, Instagram when I got this question maybe it's his Twitter and one of the comments that DJ Rusky says was we're going up this year mark my words so I'm saying you could trust him on that day because it's a fair shout think about where we were let's say four three four weeks ago and uh, our aspirations I mean it's some some extent it was actually uh, surviving so where we are now as I said at the start of the show, there's possibilities now and a chance to build a bit of momentum and uh, positivity. So this is all good. The problem is when you're doing a podcast on your own, you've got no uh, foil to bounce off. And uh, in terms of my humour, it's kind of it's reactive, reacting to the conversation, reacting to people. So um, when you're just uh, chortling on, unless you're doing it 
relaxed, like a almost like a diary thing of what you're doing in your own life, then uh, and making comedy about that, then it's quite hard just to do something on your own when you're talking about a certain thing, if you know what I mean. If you uh, enjoy the show and the website, please do become a patron because this is the way we can really transform what we do here. Because we've got the brains, we've got the we've got the ideas. It's just we've got to be able to justify doing it and also have the means to uh, do it. So that would be uh, greatly appreciated. As I said before, myomanset.com and click on the patron link on the menu bar. Right until next time, where I will be joined, no doubt, by somebody. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. My old man said... days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.